0: You guys. I was away last week with about, I don't know, uh, 90 of our fan- church family. We were in Gatlinburg for a youth retreat and was not able to be here with you. We, we've had people, this has been a busy travel time. We've had people in India, parts of our family members in India, Costa Rica, Honduras. We've had people in Houston. We've had people in New York. I mean, just. Our family has been all over the place over the last week and I am so thankful to be able to come and be back and to see so many of you who have been traveling and I'm thankful for the traveling graces that God provided and for you being able to come and to be here. If you are not from any of those far-flung places and this is one of your first times here. Uh, We are so thankful that you are here. If you'd like to learn more about our church family, we have something called EB-101. And that is going to be taking place today just after our worship time. It's in our Family Life Center, room 17. It's the first room as you go on to our track. It'll be right there on your left. I'll be in there and be able to talk about different things about our church family and allow you opportunity to ask different questions. And so if you're new to our midst and would like to learn more about our church family, come on by EB101 here in a few minutes and I'll be glad to talk with you and be able to meet you and share about the different things that God is doing through the great people who make up the East Brainer congregation. But I got to admit that I was a little jealous of you last week, Marco. Uh, Marco was uh, preaching and uh, did a great job talking about how that we needed to, to be still in the presence of God, especially during times of chaos and storm. And of course, our thoughts still are with those who are in Florida who are still dealing with the loss of life and just the traumatic experience that they went through. I received a text before last Sunday that said that our tech team had put in a new camera. And they told me that I needed to make sure that I combed my hair. I don't think they meant plural. Um, and said so they want to make sure I combed my hair because they said this, is, this, this camera was going to be, was going to be great. And I, and I had to send back. I'm like, well, Marco's going to be the one that gets to um, try it out. So everyone watching online last week got an up close and personal view uh, of Marco. And that's why I wore black today, because the old camera made me look kind of taller and skinny. And I thought I would look a little slimming today. And I, I'm, my parents are watching. I know I, I'm trying to do better, Mom. I'm trying to shed some pounds, but I'm excited about the new camera. And if you guys have been watching online, hopefully you're enjoying this. Um, but you start getting a little conscientious about the way that you look. And Facebook had this thing recently that maybe you saw some people try where you can take a picture of yourself and see what you would look like if you were a member of the opposite sex. You know, if you're male, it'll show you what you look like if you're female. And if you're female, it will show you what you look like if, if maybe you were a man. And, and so, I've been really nervous about having to be up here this morning. And so, I, I, I tried that out, and I just want to show you the picture now what I did not realize was how much the female version of me looks like Maddox White right I mean apparently Sean I mean we've got some relatives somewhere or something I don't I don't know that is great that is great to know but so I thought okay well this is me kind of as a child I guess then what would I look like grown up. That's a beautiful woman right there. I mean, oh, wow. Now, if you have not been with us this year, then you don't realize that we've been talking about mind bending, and that's what this pictures are all about. The idea that we have been trying to bend our minds around the heart of grace. Bending our minds around the heart of of grace. And I thought, you know, what better mind-bending thing than that? But then, you know, I thought, you know what? There is a passage in Scripture that perhaps is the ultimate mind-bender. And Stephen referred to it earlier. It's from Romans chapter 8, verse 1 will not you read this with me? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One more time. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul has spent seven chapters laying out his case. And his case is simply this. Everyone has sinned. His case is this, that no matter who you are, no matter what background you come from, no matter what language you speak, no matter what your history is, no one has measured up to the expectations of God. And for seven chapters, he's been laying it all out, saying, look, you've tried, you've attempted it, you've come close, you've been far off, it doesn't matter who you are, you have all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, he says, everyone is sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. We have already said as we've gone through our study together that it is our mission to share with the world the grace of our prodigal father. A God that gives over and above, the God that seems to waste His grace on individuals who cannot measure up to His standards, who cannot get it right, who cannot do enough, who cannot be right. And we have the great opportunity to go and to share this message with the hopes that when people hear this message— that they will want to submit themselves to the grace of God. That they would want to be covered in the grace of God. That they would want to then be able, just as these three did this last week, have a new life in God's grace. Now, over here on the left-hand side, that's, that's Abel. There in the middle, that's Dante. Those are the Rogers boys, a couple of them. And they were baptized while at Winterfest. Over on the right, that's Miss Ruby, Ruby Lemus, she was baptized once we returned back from our trip. These are three who are a part of our youth group who have heard about the grace of God, who've experienced that grace as it's been shared by many who are a part of our youth ministry, different volunteers that we have working in their own home with their families. And this last week they said, you know what, I want that grace. I want to be a part of that grace. I want to be covered in the grace." And so, we celebrated. And it was a great time of celebration as, as these three said, you know what, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I trust him for my salvation. Now I thought it would be then a good, a good teaching moment to, to, use, to use what took place last week and to walk us through the idea that Paul has when he says, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I was trying to think the best way to demonstrate what happens when someone is baptized and someone who says, I want that grace. I want to kind of demonstrate what takes place, what takes place in their life and oftentimes what takes place in the lives of those who, who witness it. And so, I ask um, Dante and Abel, I don't think uh, Ruby was able to um, help us today, but Dante and Abel, if you guys would, come on up. I've, um, I've got something for you. Now, you guys were baptized last week. And maybe you were wondering, now what? Right? All right? You're baptized, you hear about the grace of God, and you wonder, well, well now what? Well, the now what is the fact that, Anyone who claims to be in Christ must walk as Jesus did, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. And oftentimes in church circles, we talk about it in terms of discipleship, followership. We're trying to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and do things the way Jesus did them. Because there's an expectation for those who say, you know what? I'm trusting in Jesus for my salvation. Now, the way this normally works, and I'm going to use these hula hoops hopefully to demonstrate this, is that these hula hoops represent your discipleship, all right? This hula hoop represents the person that God desires for you to be, the action that God wants you to have, the service that you need to be involved in. Now, anybody I need you to come over here. I want you to come to this side. You're going to get one as well. And just like your brother, this hula hoop, that is the Christian that God desires for you to be, all right? now. I don't know if any of you are good at hula hooping. Are you? No? I Worry about your soul then. All right. Let's see. Uh, How about you, Abel? Are you good at hula hooping? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I got this thing with God. All right. Now, now let's just go ahead and and give it a whirl, and let's see how you're going to do in your discipleship now that you are in Christ. Let's see. All right, look at that. Oh, there we go. Man, oh, oh, look at that. Now, all right, hold your hoop. Hold your hoop. Now, we have the brother who said, you know what, I'm really not that good at this thing. I don't think I'm going to be good at following Jesus. And he's just sitting there going, "Mm -hmm, no problem, right? And Abel's like, oh, I got this Christian thing. There's nothing to it. He starts going and all of a sudden gets a little loose, and then finally it just falls, right? Now, here's the thing. These guys, as new Christians, as they wonder what comes next, they are trying just like you to live up to the expectations of God and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And some days, some days all of us look like old Dante here, right? And we got it going. I mean, we've got our prayer life right, and we're in the word, and we're serving. We've got our eyes out for that one who we're praying for, who would, we'd be able to share the grace of Jesus with, and everything's going smooth. And then there are days that we're more like Abel over here. Where we start out strong, and then as the day goes along, maybe we run into a little hiccup at work, and all of a sudden, I tell you, the boss asked a little more than what we wanted, and all, we, we just start getting so frustrated, and we get so upset, and we start losing our discipleship a little bit. And our language begins to slip. And all of a sudden, the focus that we have is not on Christ, but it's on ourselves and making ourselves look better. And, and then we wind up at home and we're taking out our frustration on our family members and we're, we're, we're doing whatever it takes to relieve the stress in our life. And before we know it, our discipleship's on the ground, right? And so, what do we normally do? Oh, well, we tell these guys, hey, don't worry. Here's what you can do. We'll send you to hula hoop class, Okay. What you need to do is go listen to some people who have been hula hooping. Now, they're not actually going to hula hoop for you. They're just going to talk about what it means to hula hoop. And you're going to read some books about others who hula hooped. And hopefully, by reading those books and by maybe listening to the things that are said, that you yourself will be a better hula hooper. And you will hopefully be able to... Have your hula hoop of discipleship stay up more than it ends up falling down. Now let me ask you a question. How long do these guys need to hula hoop? You say, oh, I know that preacher. You hula hoop until the Lord comes back. You you do your discipleship until you are no longer able to. You, you, You hula hoop and you are faithful. Unto death sometimes, individuals say. All right, then let me ask this question of all of you. How are you doing right now keeping your hula hoop up? How are you right now in your discipleship? How close were you this week to following in the footsteps of Jesus? Did you keep it up and going around and around? Did it end up on the ground more times than not? Were you one of these that you were just struggling all around trying to keep it up because it seemed like one day everything was fine and the next again, there it was. You were off focus, you were off target again, and the sin that was in your life was very prevalent? How many times can you drop your hula hoop and still be okay with God? Is there a number where if I drop my hula hoop too much, all of a sudden now I don't get the hula hoop anymore? If I drop my hula hoop too much, now I can't, I can't do it. It's taken away from me. Those are some questions that we need to talk about. Now, here's what I want to do. I want you guys, all right? I want you guys to take your hula hoops, and I want you to go sit down. You go over there, Abel. Over here, Dante, because I don't want you learning from each other. All right? Now, no, keep your hula hoop on. Don't put, put the hula hoop on. That's your discipleship. Good. Now, sit down. Awesome. Now, you guys sit there because... Even though you don't realize it, everybody else out there has their own hula hoop. They can't see it. But they've been kind of struggling with their own discipleship, all right? And when these guys are sitting here hoping that they are going to be able by osmosis to become better hula hoopers, I want to read to you a passage if I could. Because this is a passage of Scripture from the Apostle Paul as he tries to describe the difficulty of keeping that hula hoop of discipleship going and keeping your eyes focused on Jesus and living in a way that honors him. Here's what he says. I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am is doing is wrong, well, this shows that I agree that the law or that hula hoop that I have is is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin that's living inside me that's doing it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature, in my flesh. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway." Do you hear what he's saying? Do do you hear him talking about how, and he's talking as a Christian, he's saying, look, I've been given this hoop of discipleship, and I've been told that I need to keep it going, and I don't need to let it hit the ground. And the things that I want to be doing, the life I want to be living, the focus I want to have, I don't have it all the time. And the things that I know I shouldn't be participating in, the life I know I shouldn't be living, that's the life that I find myself doing. He's saying, I want to keep the hoop going. I want to be able to do it. He says, but I can't. He says, I can't. No matter how much I want my discipleship to be perfect, I can't be perfect. And so here's his conclusion. Romans 7 verse 24. He says, what a miserable person I am. What a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and in death. You see... It is a miserable existence if I think that I have to go through life and never can my hula hoop fall. Never can my hula hoop fall. Because I look around and I see others who do it so much better than I do. I mean, here's the thing, Abel over here giving it his best shot, all of a sudden it hits the ground and he looks over and there's his brother going strong, right? He's like, great, again, older brother gets to tell me how he can do something better than me. And so, oftentimes that happens in our Christian walk. You look around at other families and you say, man, why can't my marriage be that strong? You look at the way that things are going on in different relationships, you think, man, I wonder wonder why I can't have that kind of relationship with my parents. I wonder why I can't stay as focused in the scriptures. And we start measuring ourselves by how well everybody else is spinning the hula hoop. And then we start counting how many times it falls. And if ours doesn't fall that much, then I feel pretty good. I tell you, Dante at lunch is going to be telling Abel the whole time, mine never fail. Mine never fail. Next week sometime, there's going to be something that come up at home and Abel's really going to be giving it to his brother and he's going to go, hula hoop. all right? Because that's what we do. We count how many times we fail in our discipleship, and as long as I fail less than you fail, I'm good, but woe be to you in your failure. And so, what do we do? Well, we try harder, and we go to hula hoop class, and we go to hula hoop conferences, And we watch videos on how to be better at at hula hooping, and it's all about trying to get my devotion better, and and getting my worship lined up, and making sure my church is right, and my religion is perfect, and my path is straight, and yet all the right can't make up for all the wrong. And that's why Paul says, look, I'm a miserable person, because I want to be like Christ, and yet it seems like every single day I am more like myself. He says, who's going to free me? And then he answers his own question, and I love this. He says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is no punishment. There is no penalty. That's what we read from chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You say, but wait a minute, Chris. I am guilty because I cannot keep up my discipleship hula hoop. And you know what? You're right. You are. And so am I. But that's not how God sees you. It's not how God sees me. You see, in Christ, our identity changes. We belong to him and we have now been freed. We are free from the law of sin and death. No longer chained to our desires and choices and and consequences. We are freed to be imperfectly perfect. I know there's a lot of blanks that you've got on the front of your glory, praise, and honor. And normally I don't like for you to um, focus on that too much because I want you to be able to focus in on things we got on the screen and everything's going on, but I would love for you to take some notes this morning and to write down some of these different fill in the blanks if you would. Because we have been freed to be imperfectly perfect. Imperfect perfections. That's how God sees us. Are you a perfect disciple? No. But in God's eyes, you're perfection. Do you do everything right? No. But in God's eyes, you are right. Imperfect perfections. Because my desire to be like Christ is not diminished by me acknowledging my inability and inconsistency to do so. Sometimes I think we're afraid to admit that we are sinful people. Sometimes I'm afraid that we fear falling into grace. You see, in Christ, I am free from the consequences of aiming and missing. And maybe what I should have put on here is trying and failing. We are free from the consequences of aiming and missing, of trying and failing, of getting that hula hoop going, and having things going well in our spiritual life, and then all of a sudden, the next week, everything just falls flat. And yet, Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, I truly believe that grace is not only that by which we are saved. It is also that by which we live. We live by grace. And yet somewhere along the way, we have bought into this lie that says that you are saved by grace, but you remain saved by spinning the hula hoop. And those who can spin the hula hoop the best those who can do their discipleship the best, those who can pray the best, those who can read in the Word the best, those who worship the best, those who serve the best, then those are the ones, those are the ones who please God. Those are the ones who are truly saved. Look at what it says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Grace appears bringing in her hand the gift of salvation. And that salvation is more than just the idea of forgiveness. Forgiveness is but a means to an end. The root meaning in Hebrew of salvation means to enlarge. It means to become spacious, to be broad. And it carries the sense of a deliverance. That you're being delivered from an area that is cramped and confined. And you're being carried into this new wide open territory. See, God forgives so that we might be able to share in His holy life. He forgives so that we might be free from our compressed, confined, and cramped existence. That's why Jesus would begin His ministry by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be free that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Salvation is freedom. Paul would write to the Galatian church and he would say, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. No wonder the Hebrews writer says, see to it that no one misses out on the grace of God. What God is in our predicament in the first place? Well Paul says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That this idea that I can keep the hula hoop going, this idea that I can be like God, he says is a farce. You can't do it. He says you can't be like God. You can't be like God before you come to faith in Jesus. And let me tell you something, he says look, you are not going to be able to be perfect even after you come to faith in Jesus. You can't keep the hula hoop going. So what do you do? Well, he says grace frees you and grace directs you. Because I know you're sitting out there, some of you, and you're going, okay Chris, hang on. If we live by grace, won't that just give us the freedom to engage in sin? That's a great question. Does knowing that I am set free from the consequences of sin actually allow or maybe even encourage me to sin more? Like someone who who knows they have diplomatic immunity, like it's a a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Grace frees you and grace directs you. Go back again to Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches. Say, teaches. Okay, how about we say it again? Say teaches. It, teaches. it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You see, my motivation for righteousness and holiness has changed. No longer do I obey God out of fear, but out of reverent awe and Thanksgiving. You see, grace is not a license to sin. It is a tutorial for righteousness. For grace says, this is the person that God has called you to be. He has rescued you from the chains that used to bind you. He has rescued you from the fact that you cannot be perfect. And now, that same grace is saying, you know what? Say no to those things that are ungodly live upright, self-controlled, godly lives. Paul would speak to it like this, he would say, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, read the part in bold with me, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now, if that bothers you, listen to what he says next, well then. Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? You see, Paul Paul sees where people go. He sees what they're thinking. He knows. He goes, all right, I know what you're thinking here. When you hear about all this about grace, and you hear about all this about how God loves and God is merciful, and there's no condemnation, he says, I know what you're thinking. Does this mean that we just keep to go on sinning? And he says, of course not. Because now you are free from the power of sin, and you have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Friends, Christ's disciples are expected to reflect Christ's character. Cannot get around it. There is an expectation that God has for Dante, for Abel, for Ruby, for for all of those who have come to him seeking salvation. Christ's disciples are expected to reflect Christ's character. But what about those days when I look more like me than him? What about those days when my anger overcomes his peace? What about those days when my doubts seem greater than his faith. what What about those times when I just blow it and I know that what I am doing is sinful and what I am doing is wrong and I don't look anything like my Savior? Paul says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You say, well, how in the world can that be? Let me give you a different picture. Dante, Abel, come back up here just a minute, please. Bring your hoops of discipleship. See, I don't believe that scripture teaches that when you come to Christ, that all of a sudden you are given this hoop that you have to spin and keep going. Now that's often how we approach our relationship with God, but I don't think it is a I don't think it's a biblical expectation. Here is what Scripture says. So, in Christ Jesus, all of you are children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. See, here's the image that is laid out in Scripture. It's not a hula hoop that is given. It's a robe. Go ahead and drop that. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? You were baptized last week, weren't you? You trust God for your salvation, right? Then here's what happens. Scripture says that Abel has been clothed with Christ. Not only Abel, but Dante as well. He's like, let me get rid of this man, right? I love that. I mean, who would want to hold on to the hula hoop when you can have one of these awesome looking robes? (laughs) Scripture says that, look, if you are in Christ, then you have been clothed with Christ. And it's not a hula hoop situation. It's not this, all right, I've got to keep this going and I've got to have everything right and I've got to keep it up and I've got to keep it spinning. And if I, if I drop it too many times, I don't know how many times is too many, but if I drop it too many times, then perhaps my salvation has truly been forfeited. And scripture says, no, you have been clothed with Christ. And because you have been clothed with Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. like, well, how, how does that work? Are you sure? Let's go to some more scripture. Look at 1 John chapter 1. It says in verse 5 that God is light. And if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And maybe you've studied before how that the wording that's used there in the original language, the word that's there for cleanses means it's a cleansing that's taking place right now and it's a cleansing that continues to take place. Now I also want you to notice something in this text. It says that if you are living in the light as God is in the light. Now oftentimes we read that and say yes, if a person is living in the light, guess what? He's not going to be sinning. That's not what the text says. It says even when you are clothed with Christ and even when you are covered with Christ, there is still times where you live sinfully. That's what it says. But the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses you because you're covered with Christ. You say, well, I don't know. I I try to do everything just just as close to Scripture as I can I don't know how much sin I have. Keep reading. If we claim to have no sin, then we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. This idea that if I can get it, if I can get my life just right. And if I can get my worship just right, if I can get my religion just right, then God is going to accept me. We're missing the whole point. He said, look, you are going to sin even when you're walking in the light, but you're covered with Christ and that sin is being cleansed. So therefore, you don't need to be afraid and you don't need to live in guilt and you don't need to live in shame because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He continues on. But if we confess our sins, and the word there for confess means to agree with. The idea of confession is that we agree with God that you know what, God, I I cannot be perfect. And what I did yesterday was not perfect, God. And you agree with God as you're going through your life today and you say, God, you're right. This is not the attitude I need to have. God, these are not the thoughts that I need to be having. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. It's this idea that Dante here, clothed in Christ, is living a life of confession. It's not, did he go forward at the right time? It's not, did he get the prayer in at the right moment? It's that he daily lives a life of confession where he recognizes that he cannot keep the hula hoop going and that he is totally dependent upon God. And God says because of that, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, if we claim we have not sinned, then we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So my dear children, he says, I'm writing this to you so that you won't sin. Always oh, desire is that is that for Abel and for Dante that these young men that they would grow up and live a life free from sin and the pleasures that are in this world, that the temptation would not overcome them. He says, But if anyone does sin, and Abel, you need to hear this, because this is great news. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And Dante, I want you to look and see what this says here. Look. Right there on that screen. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. He is the sacrifice that atones. It is not your righteousness. It's not how good Abel can keep all the commandments. It's none of that. It's the righteousness of God. And that's why Paul can say, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You see, you're looking at these guys all wrong. You see Dante and you see Abel Hold that in front of your face. Hold that there. But God sees Jesus. God sees Jesus. Let me close with this. Friends, everyone's going to die wrong about something. You're going to die wrong about a belief. You're going to die wrong about a practice. You're going to die wrong about a direction that you choose for your life. And here's the deal. Satan is going to want to accuse you. And he's going to want to say, you know what? You're a Christ follower. And yet you couldn't even remain true to your marriage vows. He's going to say, you're a Christ follower. And yet the language that you use on the ball field, it's embarrassing. He's gonna wanna accuse you and say, you know what, you're a Christ follower, but you don't pray. You're a Christ follower, but you don't ever open up the book. You're a Christ follower, but you never invite anybody to to come and to worship with you or to study the Bible with you. You're a Christ follower, but, and he's gonna go on and on, and he's going to continue to accuse you time after time again. And when He reminds you of your past, you remind Him of His future. And you let Him know that, hey, listen, I'll confess right here and now, I am not perfect. And I cannot keep the hula hoop going. But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because I have been clothed with Christ. So, I want you to leave today knowing that grace saves and grace sustains. If you're a hula hooper, if you're a hula hooper, then your mindset is Jesus saves, but I keep myself saved by all the things that I do. If you're a hula hooper, then you're always concerned and always worried. Never knowing if you have done enough Never knowing if you have been good enough If you're a hula hooper You're worn out and you're tired Because you've been trying to keep this up a long time And it just keeps falling Over and over and over If you're a hula hooper then Paul says you've fallen from grace Because you think That you Are able to save yourself Why not let grace be enough? Let's just let grace be enough. Let's clothe ourselves in Christ and depend on Him. Allow grace to save you. Allow grace to direct you. Allow grace to be where you live. I appreciate Dante and Abel. Being up here this morning and doing this, they had no idea exactly what I was going to do, but I appreciate them helping me demonstrate. And I I hope that it's been able to help you see a little bit better the mind bending aspect of the grace of God. And I want to call you this morning to come and to clothe yourself with Christ, to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to fall at the feet of grace. And I want to encourage you, if you're someone who came in with your hula hoop, to leave it here today and to walk out knowing that the robe is enough. If you need to come, we encourage you to do so, as together we stand and sing.